You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club episode 172. Um back from hiatus. Woo, welcome back everybody. Just like dregs of the people we once were. <laughs> we have skipped all of spooky month and am now firmly into pre-Christmas season. We um, have to give Thanksgiving its due. It is it's a, a holiday. It's cuffing season. It's, oh, yeah. I will also say I think you know Thanksgiving's a superior holiday because you get at least two days off, this and is that's true. like a five day long weekend, and there's no incentive to do anything but eat. <laughs> no gift giving, and no uh, like I know some people have to go to like religious services on Christmas. Just just eat. I'm firmly a fan of Thanksgiving. I'm just saying the world commercialism has not allowed me to enjoy Thanksgiving as much because Christmas is just shoved right into my face right after right after Halloween. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Mariah Carey definitely <laughs> is part of that. She dethaws on yes. October on November first. Yes, that's fair. <laughs> that voice of course is our own once in future professional Asian American Jess Jew. Um, Hi Marvin. Your first appearance after your official marriage or Technically not official. We officially got married in April, <laughs> but yes, I am no longer a bride. I am just a wife. Just what a shame! Wife. Congratulations, what a shame. Um, Han Thank and I you. both both um, came to um, also join us. By the way, the most professional of culture editors, Han Wing. Hey, yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, both of us joined you in the hills of Tuscany for your Italian wedding, which was which was pretty good, all things it's considered. Except pretty for- good. You <laughs> shut your fucking trap. Don't it's, act like it, it wasn't like one of the best ones, if not the best. It absolutely. I think everyone will agree, hands down. Probably one of the best weddings that most of us will attend uh, from beginning to end. Uh, so I, mean, I know technically if you're married, you have to say your wedding's the best because of course you marry the love of your life. Amazing. But like, I come on the fucking prosciutto I, machine. I will say when you talk about being invited to weddings, so that way Marvin can always, you know, like, yes, uh, other people's yeah. weddings. Yeah. Because that's the thing is like, I do tend to enjoy weddings just because I like to see what people um, prioritize and how things are different. Um, and for the most part, you know, nothing is ever too out there. I did attend a wedding from two uh, uh, TV journalist writers and they had like the friend's couch and so stuff like that. Um, but that felt made me feel a little bit eh? because <laughs> I was like, you definitely pulled some strings and this is not professional. So uh, (laughs) sorry for those people who understand who I'm talking about, but still, it was a fun wedding. But um, this one, I mean, yes, we did pay to go to Europe to attend this, but you made it worthwhile. You know, it was technically fitted into my honeymoon. So it it all worked out. (laughs) And just it was a very nice wedding. I'm just my one critique was I did have to um, (laughs) I did catch a mosquito in my hair. Yes, the mosquitoes are pretty gnarly um, in in Florence. The off did help, though, which I did not think it would because usually mosquitoes will find me no matter how many layers of stuff I put on. Yeah, these are face eating mosquitoes. So I have to apply the off to my face. Yes, Yes, I did provide wipes, um, bug wipes and, and, you know, just drink more. It's fine. When you drink, (laughs) you can't feel nothing. The liquid Uh, IV you provided us did help us for the for the rest of my trip because... um, 
what the one thing you don't realize is a how salty everything is in Europe, and b how easy it is to get dehydrated. I yeah, you're just yeah you're just walking so much too yeah. After that, I uh, ordered some liquid IVs from Amazon just because I was like, oh, this is for when I start exercising again because I get dehydrated my uh, dehydration migraines from exercise. Um, so yes, I'm very excited for that. <laughs> yep. Just started back to the gym today this week. <laughs> Oh, so ahead of ahead of the January, per, like deluge. Good job, good job. <laughs> well, I mean, I always am a gym person. It's just I had to take a break for uh, the European trip and then COVID. Because yes, I forgot to mention that besides going on vacation and attending your wedding, I got really, really, really bad case of COVID afterwards. But at least I got back. So in Europe, kind of okay. You know, I was kind of he- semi healthy. I was I, <laughs> honestly, I was getting exhausted and like bumping into things and stubbing my toe and getting bloody toes. Um, so that was probably a sign I was getting sick, but I did not get sick sick until I got back. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. You <laughs> yes. sound very robust. Um, yeah, it's rough. I know. I, I I was like checking up on people. I feel like m- I don't think anyone caught anything from the wedding itself, but I do think like further travel some people pick some stuff up or you know we're just old now your body can't handle it i'm um, just glad no one so brought f- over bed bugs because you had some yeah, oh, yeah. From Paris. thank god i feel like we just like slipped under like the <laughs> the, the rug or the line on that like yeah apparently it's like bad all over europe now stemming from france Oof. so Oof. yeah yeah but but hey the one perk of going attending versus your own right is that you actually get to eat the food oh did and- you not I was just like so, so so for anyone who is planning their wedding and has a choice um the way our venue space was like we didn't do the dancing till after right so like first dance and all that stuff I so like I had to stay in my dress throughout dinner and I was like oh this is really tight <laughs> it's so good I cannot eat anything right now I'm just like so laced in um so I'm like mm. eating this pasta and I'm like and they're like do you want seconds I'm like I really do but can I? <laughs> yeah, I mean, your dress was fantastic, though. Um, I, I, I do wonder, it's like, should they create like some sort of system to allow, you know, the bride to eat? Like <laughs> some sort of unlace? You, you know, they my my tailor was like, oh, yeah, you can like unlace it when it's like when you're eating and stuff. I was like, great. No one has any time. You as the Marvin, you can attest to this as the married couple at the center of everything. You don't got time to do shit. Mm. No, we yeah, barely ate true. any food. Yeah, yeah. You have to talk and meet with everyone. That's true. Yeah. yeah, and I had like a fairly lax like schedule too. Like I gave myself plenty of room, and it was still like mm-hmm. you don't have any time to do everything. So some of the photos, I'm like looking at some of these photos. You know, people were sending me, and I was like, "Oh, that looked really nice." Oh, I didn't even notice that. Like in the day, I was like, "That looks great." I was like, I'm, "Oh, it looks, it looks great. It looks, it looks like everything went off well." <laughs> I mean, it was a beautiful wedding. Um, the ceremony was great. Um, I really enjoyed it when your husband gave you the chain from Fast and the Furious. I'm still Bowles. fucking pissed because he cheated and brought props, and I feel like <laughs> you, I, I was not informed he was going to bring a gun to a knife fight, and that's fucking rude. That it are was you well mad done. because you didn't win the vows? I think I won the vows, you know, like I think structurally, I think I my <laughs> vows were better written and more thematically coherent and had some really, really good jokes in it. I did not have to resort to um, cheap tricks. Um, I'm saying this as, you know, as, 
you would you would think you would want to lose your vows because that means the other person is just like so in love with you and that might be true but two things can be true at once Mm -hmm. right which is like yeah yeah i'm super lucky to have such a loving spouse and also that bitch fucking cheated yeah okay all i'm out yeah oh i do But yes, it was all lovely. Um, but yes, I, I'm the better writer, so <laughs> I can go to sleep. I would also that. just say that you created the whole wedding. So yeah, yeah. You think he thought about <laughs> that, so yeah. the offspring and the wives? No, yeah, that was so me. It's like he, he was able to concentrate all of his efforts into just the vows, whereas you were spreading yourself thinner. And it still came off all great. So exactly. I also was like, I was like, I was like reminding him, I'm like, hey, you know, vows, checking, you know, months out, and then I'm like, oh fuck, it's the day of the wedding. I have not written down my vows. I should probably, you know, they were in my head for like a year, you know, since we got engaged, if not before. And I'm like, oh, now it's time to put it down for real, for real. And um, I managed to scrape it by. It's yeah, so. Whoopsies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is to say, that is the reason why we've taken the last month and a half off. Um, I did run into, I was in Toronto last week, um, and I ran into two of our, probably our only fans in the world, who asked us if we were coming <laughs> back this week. And I was like, no. Wow. We're going to do one more you, week of hiatus. You had because to, wow, we have fans. <laughs> you had to go to Canada for, to find them. But yeah, I was actually there for opening night of the Real Asian film festival which is the toronto asian canadian i guess film festival um and they're the two fans that we met Farah and emory were actually from la they were there to screen their short um we were all there to watch fazia mirrors um feature film mm. the queen of my dreams which was really good looking forward to when they bring that over to um to the states but yeah shout that out to fun. those shout out to those filmmakers slash uh <laughs> good pop fans i know they're probably listening right now we're back <laughs> we're back baby pew, 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 pew. and just in time because it feels like this these past few weeks there's been quite a bit of asian american content for us yeah. to check out so um i think the timing's good um this week we're talking about quiz lady the new sandra o aquafina comedy um that's streaming now on hulu um and disney plus if you're outside of america um but before we get to that Let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through um, this week. Now that we're back, um, let's start with Jess. What is popping? I watched the new MCU installment, The Marvels, this week. And you know what? I had a fucking lovely time. Come it's, at me, Internet. It's the um, most fun at the uh, at an MCU film I've had in a long time. In so. a really long time. Mm-hmm. It is tight. I think it's the shortest Marvel movie at one hour 46. It's... Really, really fun cast of characters and actors working in a really fun dynamic that I don't think we've seen in a Marvel movie in a while. Uh, And I think for me, the real star is Iman Vallani, who is Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel. She is so delightful. And her character is so delightful. It's just like a it's kind of like like Peter Parker vibes in the in his like you know the youth the innocence but you know we know the trajectory of Peter Parker's character development it inevitably kind of gets darker more tragic he has to lose people and i feel like Iman uh you know or Kamala Khan is just not necessarily saddled with that or maybe not yet 
she still has that like very like bubbly, innocent, um, youthful energy. And then you put that with like Ms. You know, Captain Marvel, Brie Larson, and <laughs> there's a running bit of, um, you know, the the uh, Monica Rambeau does not have a a code name or a superhero name. She's just Doctor Rambo or Captain Rambo. Um, you know, they make a really, really fun triangle. And there's a lot of mm-hmm. history that even if you don't remember what happened in the last a million Marvel movies or what happened in the last Captain Marvel, it's just really fun. And um, I did think of Han throughout this movie because <laughs> there's 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 a lot of cats. Cats are very central to the storyline. Or I guess he's not a cat. He's a flurkin. Flurkin. So the cat with like the tentacle things, it's really funny. There's like a there's like a Chekhov's like flurkin. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's quite fun. And then for me, I think the smartest thing is they pare down the big Marvel third act. Mm-hmm. It's something mm-hmm. much more Which intimate. I hate. I hate I hate the Marvel third act, you know, where something mm-hmm. starts falling out of the sky and it's just like big boom boom booms. And you still get a sense of that, but like the final fight in this is like four people, like very individual. You can see them, like, you can see the stakes. Ziwe uh, is amazing to, as well. Uh, you know, great. I, I do wish that, you know, she got a little more room to cook. But, you know, she's introduced and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a one movie villain kind of a situation. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a, the at least the concept of this villain is quite interesting. Like, she's not wrong. Right. right she's not wrong um and i'm also just like ooh, marvel disney like some of these themes very um what's it on par for what's happening right now um you know the wider world like you probably did not mean to do that oh it's no wonder people hated it online oh yeah i mean i mean but like again like it pared down the marvel third act problem it's again really fun energetic and it's it's just silly like there's some in a good way I think some of the Marvel movies lately have been taking themselves too seriously. And mm-hmm. this one, we get a fun planet where everyone sings. And I was just like, I don't know what's happening really, but I'm having a good time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, and yeah. You're burying the lead. So on this musical planet, the prince there is Park Sojun. Uh, <laughs> and he gets to sing because it is a musical planet and that's how they communicate. Uh, he's only in it for like five to ten minutes. Um, but he looks really hot. Um, and because it is on a musical planet, yes, they lean into the silly. And honestly, they really should have done way longer on that planet. But yeah, I, I think that part, the like, I was sitting there just like, oh my God, if any guys who were reluctant to see this, watch this part, they're going to hate it so much because of the musical <laughs> part. Um, but that's, I, I, I loved it because it, yes, silly. And I think there's, um, not to give anything away, but there's a flurkin sequence that is also incredibly oh, silly. So great. So it, great. Uh, this Love is prob- that. probably similar to like how we were saying like Bottoms was unhinged. This scene is unhinged and in the best way. So, and, and yeah. it's great because I was just like, for, you know, maybe like I'm unhinged because as soon mm-hmm. as like, like as soon as that sequence started, I'm like, yes. Oh, that's the solution. Like, I was like, I turned, to, I turned to Ring. I'm like, you know what they should do, right? Like, they should yeah. X, Y, Z. And then I was like, oh, yeah, look, they're doing it. I'm like, great. <laughs> yeah. I would be great. I should be in S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Or Saber or whatever. And, you know, it's directed by Nia DaCosta. Um, so, you know, the, the, the conversations, just ignore what the trolls are saying online. It's really fun. 
I would recommend it. And there's a really fun training sequence because mm-hmm. I don't think this is a spoiler, but it's in the commercials, mm-hmm. trailers, trailers. <laughs> I used to work <laughs> in entertainment. Yeah. Um, you know, like they they switch bodies or places every time they use their power. So there's like a really fun sequence, training sequence where they're learning how to like do all that. It's just it's just fun. Well, I'm glad to hear that this movie worked for you because I know Jess, you've sat out of MCU for like the last year or so. Um, yeah, I've so, sat out in the last yeah. few. So that's a you good, didn't miss anything. That's a good sign because I too have sat out of MCU for like the last. I, I, I think watched. It's, I think you're fine. I think the only thing you probably need some context for is maybe Captain Marvel. But I do think she like you. You get the nah. wide swaths of like what's happening. Like you understand like why they're weird about you know why their relationship is the way it is and and they do a good you know balance of like reminding you and then moving on. It's good. Cool. Yeah. Looking forward to um I'm I'm probably gonna try to catch this in theater if I can. Mm-hmm. If not, Do Disney it. Plus when it comes out. Um Han, what's popping with you? <laughs> so uh this week my screening uh this is we are entering award season and now that the SAG strike has ended, hello, we have also uh Yada yada through another strike ending um, because we were gone during hiatus. But yes, the SAG strike just recently ended. So a lot of actors are now able to do promotion for stuff, which is great for award season, which means all these awards bait Oscar movies are coming out. Um, They're often the either the really big biopic uh, feel good things or they are the weird art house things or the the auteur directors, or depressing type of things. So um, I saw Poor Things, um, and that is the latest movie by the, uh, I think, Greek director, uh, Yorgos Lantimos. Um, It is an adaptation of a novel, but it is also... hmm, Let's see, how do I describe this? You need to watch the trailer, but I will say that it is set in a vaguely um, Victorian England? Victorian Europe um, and it stars Emma Stone uh, she is there's a little bit of a mystery uh, about why she is a grown woman who acts like uh, um, sort of mentally you know deficient and so there's a lot of uncomfortable things in the first maybe quarter or third of the movie because you're just like why is this supposed to be funny and the way people are treating her and um, her her sort of guardian is played by Willem Dafoe and his face is deformed and you find out he's kind of a mad scientist. There's a lot of just weirdness going on that sort of fits within that Victorian era. But then you end, um, keep following her and it ends up being a sort of like uh, a coming of age journey. Um, and the throughout the whole thing, all the actors are just doing bizarre th- performances that are great. Um, the the backgrounds and set pieces look like they're created by Gaudi. Um, just visually stunning. Half of Part of it is in black and white, and part of it is just like saturated color. Um, it's basically just a really interesting movie experience. It is profane. There's a lot of sex in it. There's um, some really deep conversations philosophically, very uncomfortable things happening. There are some gender things happening. There's just a lot of stuff going on. And I don't want to say too much more because you kind of need to watch it to experience it. But I do think that um, 
for Yorgos Lantimos and um, Emma Stone that these are kind of like, it's going to be a career highlight for both of them. Um, but also, Mark Ruffalo, hilarious. Yes. Uh, Rami Yusuf, adorable. Um, uh, Jared Carmichael, really good scene. I don't know how to ex- exactly describe his character, and I don't want to really give anything away. But everyone's role is amazing. Um, what they do, either they scare you, they amuse you, they confuse you, whatever it is. Um, just great job all around. Um, I can see a lot of people not liking this film because it is not a straightforward, comfortable film. But I, I feel like you can't step away from it without acknowledging that you experienced something. <laughs> um, so I got out of it and I was just like, how is that? How is it only Tuesday night? You know, um, what, because you do kind of feel like you grew up with this Emma Stone's character, uh, Bella Baxter. So, yeah, warning to many women that there are a few uncomfortable things going on. But that is the point, I believe. Um, and I think by the end, hopefully you don't um, you kind of get it. But anyway, so can't recommend it enough for those people who are brave. Or who who likes some bizarre things? If you, um, Yorgos Lantimos did uh, uh, the Lobster a few yes. years back, and most and recently, then the favorite, yeah. So the favorite is something that was actually more widely received, um, and so the favorite is also kind of uh, well, that's more historical, but it also was a little bit weird. I have to say, because that was so widely well received. It feels like I was talking to my friend and she was like, it feels like he wants to be like, remind everyone that he's weird again. <laughs> and so, so just a warning, if you love the favorite, this is going to push you beyond those boundaries. But um, I still think it's worthwhile. I like the the lobster, which was depressing and weird also. Um, they This one and the lobster deals with uh, themes of animals. So that's also maybe a warning or a threat. Um, but yeah, I had a good time. Um, see it with someone who likes to be challenged perhaps. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a high concept, um, film and I love that it's kind of like falling. Cause like, you know, Frankenstein is a Victorian era, like mm-hmm, Gothic, mm-hmm. right? So kind of, I can kind of see those parallels too. Um, yeah. yeah. Those themes are in there for sure. Yeah. All right. Cool. So Marvin, how about you? What's popping? Um, so yeah, so currently the NYC Doc Fest is going on, and um, a friend of mine just had their um, film premiere. Um, it's called Ashima. It is a documentary about Ashima Shiraishi, um, who is a climbing prodigy, so to say. Like um, she's mm. on record as the youngest woman to ever climb a V15 boulder. And so this film was um, directed by Kenji Tsukamoto and produced by um, my, I guess, former boss slash co-worker uh, Minji Chang. The film follows Ashima as she attempts to climb a V14 boulder in, um, I believe it's South Dakota. And intercut between um, footage of her practicing and making the climb, um, we get to see um, Ashima's um, history as she grows up and gets into um, competitive climbing, um, as well as the stories of her family and, and, and their background. And the director, Kenji, embedded himself with the family um, for a few years, I believe, starting in 2014. And so has a ton of footage that he's spent the last 10 years putting together. And I think he does a pretty good job um, utilizing all the footage that he gathered. It's a pretty interesting story. Like climbing documentaries aren't a new thing. You know, Free Solo Mm -hmm. um, comes to mind. But this one firmly is focused on Ashima and her father, who was also her coach, 
who is a former, I guess, Japanese traditional dancer mm-hmm. and uses a lot of those teachings to like culture through like breaking through mental barriers. And so this film really focuses on this um, relationship between um, Ashima and her dad. And half the film is kind of him lecturing her. And it was a really interesting viewing experience because I'm of the age where I can see both sides. I want on one hand, like <laughs> I feel like I feel bad for her for having to like sit through her dad kind of like coaching <laughs> slash tiger parenting her. But at the same time, I'm on his side like she just needs to get over it and like get her head in the game. Right. I no Marvin. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so down for that. Yeah. Uh the fact that she is five one and so she's taller than me. But um um I also not at her level, but I also enjoy climbing. So this looks really fun. Yeah. And it's, it is a climbing dock. So lots of great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, scenes of mountains and boulders and lots of archival footage. And I like how um, Kenji explores not only her side of things, but her family, her father and mother, and their history too, as like artists and people supporting her, her dreams, um, as well as people who had like full lives themselves. Um, so I think it was a pretty solid documentary. And if you want to watch it, you can actually stream it right now. NYC DocFest does provide digital screening tickets. Mm. And so um, I think it's 13 bucks for like a 48-hour pass. And so you can watch it on on your own. I, I watched it on my laptop because I'm not in New York right now. But um, definitely recommend it. And definitely looking forward to um, hopefully seeing this um, in person on the big screen. Because we all know these, these climbing documentaries deserve to be seen on like the biggest screen possible, right? Yeah. Oh, this looks good. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if I want to like just stream it right now or <laughs> and wait for it to get on the big screen. Yeah. I can't wait to feel both old, unathletic, and unaccomplished. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Before we get the quiz, lady, we do um, we do have a quick check in. Go Asian, Great British Bake Off 2023 edition. Ended before it even got started because <laughs> this is probably our only check-in. Because as we mentioned before the break, there were only two Asians in this year's lineup. And the last one just got eliminated last week. So um, Saku <gasps> and Dana are both out. Um, but You, you kind of ju- saw that coming, though. The ones who don't keep calm don't make it like... Mm-hmm. I know. To the quarterfinal, you know. They were freaking out too early. Yeah. Saku, our uh, Sri Lankan auntie, um, did okay, but definitely her anxiety and needing to be constantly affirmed acted wear a little thin. On the other hand, she was a cute auntie that I did want the best things for. But in general, I think this season, the contestants are more boring. But the challenges are better and the hosts are better. Mm. Oh, I do the hosts absolutely are love the new host. She's great. Um, she brings such like the original spirit back. Cause I mm-hmm. I I really do feel like, you know, Bake Off is so wholesome and it was always like mind boggling why they would put like Matt Lucas in and even oh. to a degree like Noel, who was like kinda his brand is like more like um, he's he's not that cynical on Bake Off, but he is like a little like mean and a little like mocking, you know. Um, so I'm just like, yeah, why would why would you put those two? And she's just so joyful, and I feel like her and Noel have mm-hmm. a really good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, she really makes him crack up, and vice versa. I'm really enjoying it. I just need Paul Hollywood to like, <laughs> uh, you know, you- go down a notch. Yeah. yeah. So Alsa Hammond is great. She's uh she's just 
joyful and and funny and just yeah she has a lot of great energy she is able to charm harrison ford notorious curmudgeon um i would highly recommend if you're really bored to just google like harrison ford allison hammond interviews it's very delightful he looks so chuffed and it's harrison ford so he know you know he's kind of not chuffed about anything anymore yeah he's just all about feeling old yeah And I'm glad, I don't want to jinx it, but we've gone six episodes without a single inexplicable racist challenge. So, you know, the night's still young. <laughs> it, but it also is kind of what we've been saying all along is to have someone high up there who is a person of color who will actually have a voice because it's very possible that, that, that they've either been on, you know, guard knowing that they have someone there or maybe she's you know i don't want to put everything on her but you know she might have said something <laughs> um yeah so yeah. anyways um we probably won't be following gbbo on this podcast since all of our agents have been eliminated but top chef is right around the corner so yeah oklahoma Get right oklahoma that. is that right i think it's Ohio. yeah oh wait Oklahoma. Oh, it starts Ohio. with an o Wisconsin. Wisconsin. It's Wisconsin. It's Wisconsin. Neither. What? There's no O. I was right. Wrong. It's fucking Wisconsin. I wrote a story about the the play Oklahoma recently. So <laughs> that was on my mind. The musical, and of course, it was about actually Texas. The it, it was a play in Texas about Oklahoma. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, um, well, that's what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're talking about the quiz lady. Stick around. I'm Charlene Kay. I'm a musician, songwriter, and guitarist. Growing up, I loved music. Whether it was pop, acoustic, emo, I ate it all up. But as a Chinese-American kid living in Scottsdale, Arizona, I also felt isolated, never really seeing artists who looked like me or shared my experiences. So after years of performing on stages all over the world, I wanted to create a space to highlight the amazing Asian musicians who I knew were out there, just not always getting played on the radio. That's why I started Golden Hour, a podcast where Asian singers, songwriters, instrumentalists, and music producers share their personal stories. And it's a space for you to discover your new favorite artist. Listen to Golden Hour with me, Charlene Kay, wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Remen. How are folks still racist? I know, right? We're like two decades into the 21st century. Yeah. And second question, where's my jetpack? Well, I can't help you there, but have I got a podcast for you. Modern Minorities is a show where each week, my longtime pal Remen and I uncover common and uncommon truths that we all need to hear for our majority brains and ears. Yeah. Sharon and I have spoken to doctors, lawyers, directors, climate activists, angry Asians, athletes, chefs, writers. Folks who are black, brown, gay, straight, and everything in between. Past guests have included comedian Margaret Cho, Southern Poverty Law Center journalist Geraldine Mariba, comics creator Jean Lunyang, and many, many more. We've even talked about Ramadan, Black History Month, Kamala Khan, and Robin being queer. It's like we're trying to solve racism with the podcast. Challenge accepted. So check out Modern Minorities at modmypod.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Remember, we're all modern minorities, but we're no one's model minority. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're chatting about Quiz Lady. 
the new comedy film streaming now on Hulu, um, directed by Jessica Yu and written by Jen DeAngelo. Um, the film stars Aquafina and Sandra Oh as two estranged sisters who go on a quest to, um, I guess, save their dog from a debt collector by participating <laughs> in um, a quiz show uh, and winning the prize money. The film has a ton of cameos, including um, Will Ferrell, Jason Schwartzman, Tony Hale, and the rapper Dumbfounded. Um, What's his real name? Like John? John John Park. Jonathan Park. John, okay. Yeah, so I guess to start off, what did we think of Quiz Lady? So, you know, in most movies, the hero has to go on the hero's journey, right? And, you know, in the last few years, it's been a lot of superhero movies or like things like that. This is actually the first time where I'm like, if I had to save my dog from a debt, like a gangster goon debt collector, I feel like there are other ways to win the money. But I think I could actually do this, go on a quiz show to win a significant amount of money. I'm, so I, I saw myself a lot in this and and I I love a quiz and I generally enjoyed it. Yeah, I, you know, for me, I guess the general premise and sort of the vibe of this felt like an early 2000s movie for me. Um, but at the same time, like that offered me a little bit of a coziness, like, OK, I get see what they're doing there. But then I think there were just enough like really bizarre sort of oddball touches and like jokes in here that made me really enjoy it. Um, definitely a few laugh out loud moments. And I think they leaned into the fact that like a lot of the supporting actors and characters were like down for it, um, doing poking fun at themselves and just doing strange bits. And so for me, that kind of elevated a little bit and made me enjoy it more than I expected to. Um, and you know, it was ended up being very sweet at the end too, because of course it's about sisters. So, you know, they gotta do well. I think I came in with very high expectations because mm. it's Sandra Oh and Aquafina, and I did enjoy Jessica Yu. Jessica Yu is a director most known for her um, documentary work, but she did direct Ping Pong Playa, which was a very <laughs> surprisingly good early Asian American, Asian -American feature comedy classic, film, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. so like the pitch. Sounds great. And then I think maybe I came in, because I came in with those high expectations, I was a little let down mm. of the film. Um, I kind of feel like the pieces were all there for like a really good comedy, but it just felt like a missed opportunity to capitalize on not only the two leads who are like pretty solid actors in their own part, but like the stars of the cast too. Uh, for me, I just, I guess I went in kind of not knowing too much about it, but just also just like, oh, it's on Hulu. So, you know, I, uh, Hoping maybe my my expectations were, you know, sort of set that way. I was just like, I'm just going to have a OK time at home streaming this movie. So I was I was fine with it. But I totally understand uh, with that sort of pedigree why you would have really high expectations for sure. Um, it's kind of why I was saying like it felt like a, you know, early 2000s vibe for me. And maybe that set my expectations. <laughs> I agree with both of you. Um, you know, most of her work is in drama series. So she has like a Emmy nomination for Fosse and she's directed like West Wing and mm. shit like that. Um, so the fact that you say like, oh, it feels like and comedy, I think, is more changes more. Right. Like mm -hmm. so a comedy film from like even 20 years ago, 10 years ago mm -hmm. does feel different than a comedy you would make now. And I think it's a mix a little bit of that. And. I think there's just some inconsistency of tone just within the script itself. Yeah. Um, um, and I, I kind of wish it would have leaned more into either like the kind of 
crazy, like the more unhingedness mm-hmm. or like lean more into the like grounded realism um, instead yeah. of kind of waffling in both. I, I thought the unhinged parts were more successful though. Yeah, I, did, yes. I did enjoy the unhinged parts. Like that quiz show that, that's at the center of this film is the most unhinged <laughs> quiz show so I've fun. ever seen. <laughs> I think the structure of the quiz show is super fun and it, this, it seems like a really fun, I would watch that program and you know, it's like Jeopardy but not Jeopardy. Like you get, it's a really smart like one-to-one parallel in this universe like you you t- 100% understand like what's what's it about and who these like champions are and who you know the host is um and, and but it's a little bit more insane like the like the charades round yeah which did bring really funny <laughs> moments yeah and of the two main leads like Sandra Old is definitely showing her range here right we've seen her play more like serious characters or more grounded characters but this is just a reminder that her background is in like comedic acting right mm-hmm. yeah she's so funny yeah and well that's the thing it's like I, I'm that's one of the reasons why I was pretty excited to see this because I do remember I didn't, can't remember what year it was but Sandra Oh and Andy Samberg had to present something at either the Golden Globes or something and so they did a bit and you know those bits can sound very stilted because they're reading from a teleprompter but whatever it was she killed it she brought a weird energy to it she was just she commits herself like physically to the bit and I think that's what um, we were getting here so I was just glad to be able to see her do this role um, that she, I think she owned pretty well. Um, so yeah, I was, yeah, I was happy with that. I liked her character, and I really liked um, Dumbfounded's pet extortionist gangster <laughs> character. Yes, his parts were the parts I laughed the loudest at. I thought the side, yeah, the side characters were really great. Um, like Dumbfounded's goon or the the Jason Schwartzman's douchey. Oh, he's so good. Um, like eighty day champion and. <laughs> Honestly, the uh, the sleeper hit is his charades partner, um, who I don't even know his name. Um, but, he was giving but, like lurch. He was giving like lurch from Adam's family, yeah. like just yeah. just like the the uh, and then you know kind of the the annex like the throwaway jokes are really funny. Um, I don't know if you guys watch this with the captions on or not. Yes, yes. But some of the funniest lines are like in the background as throwaway Mm -hmm. jokes and i'm like Mm -hmm. i don't understand why i think there's a line where she's trying to get she's trying to play like the service dog card Mm -hmm. and like playing like the oppression card like to a black woman producer and she's like i I don't think you can pull that on me like (laughs) right right that's like one of my favorite jokes i'm like why is that in the background oh and you have a tony hale as the um very passionately the method wanting actor. to be in time, <laughs> Benjamin Franklin in owner, just just weird, great characters. Yeah, I think that that's kind of what happened because I think there there's a mention that this was probably written for like non Asians, right? And then you just cast these Asians, and so I think that's what it feels like with all of these characters for me is that there was a basic structure to this um, comedy, you know, sisters. They have a mission. They, there's a little bit of a road trip. Then they, you know, go to that, you know, quiz show and they hopefully win the day. But I think all of these side characters and all of these touches and weirdness and those, like you were saying, throwaway lines were probably overlaid on it. And so that's what gives it the specificity of its humor. Um, 
But it also, it's one of the reasons why it kind of feels like it doesn't quite fit. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, it was on, um, they call us Bruce, which is one of our fellow potluck uh-huh. pods. Um, Jessica, you went on that show and mentioned that, you know, the original script didn't have any specific race in mind for the characters. So when Sandra Oh and Aquafina were cast um, and Jessica Yu was brought on to direct, they kind of worked in some Asian nods for the mm-hmm. film. And it de- definitely feels like that, right? It's like the nods to like Asian Americanness feels like it's been like overlaid on top of the characters instead of like being a part of the character uh, from the ground up. Yeah. And and I think I was fine that that didn't because all they have to do is just be Asian American. But it definitely did feel like there's stuff laid on top of stuff. So not just the Asian American part, but some other things. Because it's kind of like, oh, here's where the plot was already in place. <laughs> but then here's where like something else got added. Um, so I think that for me was just the... One po- sort of weirdness, I it didn't really affect overall how I felt about the film just because my expectations were low. But uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was just odd. It was just odd. There was definitely something like, so the central relationship is between Aquafina's character and Sandra O's characters. And I forgot Anne the and names Jenny. Anne, Anne and, and Jenny. Jenny. Yeah. See, Jenny could have been an Asian, Asian name, name. Right? But Anne, yeah. I was kind of like, huh? <laughs> it's fine. Asian names are weird. I'm sure. Marvin. Case yeah. in point, right? <laughs> I don't so, know. That sounds right to me. <laughs> you're se- you're one of several Asian Marvins I know, yeah. so that tracks. Yeah. Um, and so Aquafina here is playing the straight woman, uh, which we've seen her pull off like subdued and kind of dowdy before. Mm-hmm. Like that was her character in The Farewell. Mm-hmm. But I kind of felt like there was something about her performance here, which it just felt a little like a little flat, right? A little one note. Yeah. Like compared yeah. to Sandra Oh, who is like just wholly unhinged. And I kind of feel like Maybe this is more of an issue with the writing, but I kind of feel like their arc just wasn't as like affecting. Like usually these Asian American stories, like when you're they sobbing. come when they come yeah. to the hard and hard, you're sobbing. Yeah, like because these are two sisters who are essentially abandoned by her parents, right? The mom is a gambling addict, the dad walks out on them. And so there's a lot of like generational trauma in there, which is like the core concepts for any like Asian American story. Um, but the payoff to that was a little underwhelming, right? Like it didn't really stir my my immigrant heart. I mean, if if, if they were going to do some over the top stuff, like Sandra Oh was such a character and so like a, a, a loose devil may care, like hopeful and whatever. And I think maybe what Aquafina's character, Anne was missing was because they would mention things like she was anxious and stuff like that, but they could have like actually put that more into the character and how she acted as far as like maybe a need for control or the way she dressed was, could have been way more opposite of uh, Sandra O's. And so I think there were just a few missed opportunities that maybe Aquafina maybe could have brought up to herself. I, it's always hard for an, actor to say hey i want to change this but i do feel like in ways sandra oh took control of her character and took ownership of her character um in a way that aquafina did not and so maybe this is also part of just like experience um like who feels more empowered to say hey i should do this or could we try it this way um but it definitely did feel like aquafina's character and could have been more because i think that contrast between the sisters um would have helped by the end when they uh, eventually came to an understanding yeah or maybe it's a finer maybe it's a harder line to toe when you're when you're when the joke revolves around uh like mental health or mental awareness like that that takes a pretty 
confident, I think, either writer, director, team, and maybe they just didn't want to go there. Um, but, you know, like, anxiety makes you fucking crazy. I'm speaking with someone with, like, who is clinical and does anxiety and is was on meds and is now no longer and it's like coming back up I'm like it just makes you fucking crazy a little bit sometimes um and you know there could have been maybe something there to give her something i think it's like she needed something to do right like yeah. she was just sad and it, i think when you write you always try to tell people like don't make it a character who like get who like doesn't do anything Mm-hmm. Um, and her character is inherently someone that's not doing much and is just reacting to things around her. But if the- you're going to couch it on half of the journey on, and I think we see Jenny kind of like go through her own active journey and it just seems much like more sedate in comparison. Yeah. And look, we've all been going through a pandemic and wars and all these other things. So I think a lot of people are very familiar with anxiety right now and so that might also be coloring what we are seeing because she's not giving anxiety uh in any way that we kind of really sort of like that rings true um so yeah flatness is not necessarily anxiety i do understand there's an amount of sort of being um sort of paralyzed uh by indecision or fear and things like that but it still didn't come across on the screen so yeah and i think that leads to kind of my biggest issue with the film, which is I mentioned there are, there are parts that are really, really funny, but overall I wish the film was just funnier. <laughs> There's a big chunk in the middle where nothing really like funny happens. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think yeah. it's, um, you know why? I think it's three different movies in one. Like they try to do a road movie and then they do the, like, right. The, the travel part. And then there's like that set piece around like the, quiz audition and then you get to like the third act which is the actual like quiz but then you have these like sub acts in there mm-hmm. with her neighbor and like all these and, and it's yeah, maybe not just part. as cohesive mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, and I think some of the parts were more successful and, and you have flashbacks <laughs> so that is just like a lot of different structural pillars going on um, and Maybe some are more successful than other, but you know who who's the real MVP of this movie though? Linguini, Mr. Linguini, Mr. Linguini, <laughs> Mr. Linguini, the doggy. Um, and and I feel like that is that did speak very highly to me as a millennial woman with a I dog would, named after with food. a dog with the name of food. I would also <laughs> go John again. This is my John Wick, right? This is my version of John Wick in which I could accomplish. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, anything with the dogs, the whole section, the whole running bit with all the dog stuff was really funny. And I really enjoyed that. I mean, the payoff with the neighbor is the cameo by the late Paul Rubens, which is this his last like credited role. Yeah, I think this I is think his so. uh, <laughs> posthumous, which it's bittersweet, but especially considering one particular line that is said later. But um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm still glad to have seen him and I'm glad that he was able to do it with a sense of humor because he is part of the joke in there. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Alden Taylor. Yeah. <sighs> well, with all that, I guess there's only one question left to ask, which is, is quiz lady good pop? I say it is. I know I, uh, there are all those criticisms that were, you know, lobbied and they were all very fair criticisms. However, I think as long as you just want to have a good time um, at home, 
and uh, see Sandra O oh do wacky stuff. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. So, yeah, just set your expectation. <laughs> I agree with Han. I think it's a perfectly fine Hulu movie. Um, and do we wish shows better? Sure. Can they all be bangers? But that's why it's on Hulu. And I do, do think there's some really great performances, even if it's not from the central characters, that, that did make me chuckle <laughs> quite hard. Um, so, and, and again, like, this is my John Wick, right? Like, I, and I just also like, like, I'm, I'm just a, like a nerd for quizzes. Like, I fucking mm-hmm. love Jeopardy and I sporkle like every day. I'm working on flags of the world right now to know all the flags of the world. So like, this is right up my alley. And I was like answering those questions right up with the mm-hmm. um, Aquafina. <laughs> Some of them are really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also like went on a deep dive with Raymond. And I'm like, do you think we could win the charades round? And we oh, decided, yes. no, we decided, no, we can't. Um, that was a nice ending too, but like their shared histories, like what makes them really good at charades, which is so true it's, in real life. Yeah. Cause um, we didn't do charades, but, uh, I remember growing up when I was doing um, board games with my cousins and my brothers. Uh, yeah. After a while, they did not allow my brothers and I to be on the same team. Yeah, when you do taboo with a sibling, yes. it's like mm-hmm. game over. You are winning that round. Yeah. Um, so, which yeah. is not to say me and Raymond had now have charades practice. Mm-hmm. We need to get better at it in case we ever need to whip just, that out to dominate. Yeah, you just have to have all of those uh, sort of like, private references that no one else will get <laughs> you know, that's really it that's 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 the key to winning all of these things yes i can see it now charades the reason for jess and raymond splitting up <laughs> oh. no you'll be a to- temporary separation just until we cool down <laughs> no you and then this is where the like you were saying the sports movie comes in because then you need to like do the training to get better at charades um and that will cement the relationship yeah, it'll be like, um, and then it's it's like those ice skating movies, like the pair ice skating <laughs> romance movies, like uh, the Cutting Edge. You know what I'm talking about Cutting Edge, yeah, 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 and all like its iterations, like we we you know drama, and then we come back together and we win it, and like final countdown plays, and it's beautiful. What's the sad music that plays during your breakup montage? Oh, um, Bruno Mars, <laughs> the Moon Song. <laughs> Howling at the moon, because it's that's the sad song in one of my favorite movies. Think like a man. <laughs> Think what? like a man. The movie is one of my oh favorite. Oh my god! It is a comfort watch. It's fantastic. I've it's never so unhinged. It. I've never. Seen oh, it. it's really fun. It's like the hottest cast you'll ever see. It's like everyone who's black famous. Uh-huh. Amazing. Um, the the sequel's great too. They go to Vegas. Uh, <laughs> highly recommend. But yeah, that's that's what plays in my head when I'm sad. A little sad Filipino nice. boy singing. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Those I also sense. think it's fine. It's it's. I think it edges slightly into good pop because I did have fun moments with it, but I do wish it was better. And I wish, like I. <laughs> I actually watched this film in Canada with my cousin on Disney Plus, and I don't see my cousin enough, so I wish we had a better memory of like watching a really great movie together <laughs> instead of watching a fine movie together. Well, what was your? Did your cousin say anything? Because what I notice is when I watch movies with my cousin, I'm way more critical, and she's having a good time. So, <laughs> I think we both agree that it's a little Sorry. boring at times. Okay, but okay, there are funny parts. Like she also laughed during the. Um, the the part where we visit the extortion gang in their in their yes. pet adoption center. 
It's so good. <laughs> I, I just like, yeah, they could have leaned into the loony, but, and those were the good parts. Yeah. Calling well, out Ben Franklin for not being, you know, consistently anachronistic is great. <laughs> Yeah. I'm all about that because I could totally see me or just doing that. <laughs> Betsy Ross in like yeah. Betsy Ross themed room. Like yeah. that's really fun. Um, <laughs> the, the the little, you know, the comedy epilogue is was really good in this one too. Mm-hmm. love a comedy epilogue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Good epilogue. Yeah. The dumb and little then, gigs are great. I wish the central. The yeah. central relationship, relationship was, was a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. But um, maybe we're more than our traumas, Marvin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. But there is also nothing more Asian than having a gambling problem. So I will end it with that. <laughs> true. true. And, and when they were like, where's your mom? And she's like, did you try this? And she like names five casinos. And I was like, oh, this is my grandma that they're talking about. Also uh, having yeah. smarter, prettier cousins. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I am the smarter, prettier cousin. <laughs> so I can't. I'm I can't the smarter cousin. That. I wouldn't say I'm the prettier one, but I'm definitely a smart one. <laughs> Oh, just me then. <laughs> Anyways. Um, well, Marvin, was... are you the prettier one? I don't know. Just oh, that'll it. do it for a discussion of Quiz Lady. Um, streaming now on Hulu. And if you're outside of the United States like I was, um, you can probably find it on Disney Plus because Disney now owns most of Hulu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an episode. We're back, guys. Woo-hoo! We're back, baby. Oh, well, until I guess like Christmas time. Speaking of, we're back. If you want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? I am technically still on Twitter X um, at just you tweets. So I still kind of repost stupid stuff. So find me there. Uh, you can just see my archived <laughs> um, Twitter profile there. But I am at Anonymous everywhere else. Um, but I've only been actually really doing Instagram and threads. Uh, I have a blue sky somewhere. I have not used it. Um, yeah. So yeah, you can find me at Marvin. You. I just joined threads, but I'm still trying to figure out how that whole thing works. Um, you can find our show at Good Pop Club. Uh, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for sticking around. Um, and we'll be back next week. We promise. Yay. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye, guys. I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.